1: Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host, Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio. I am pretty excited about today's show because it's personal. Yeah, it just got personal. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. Again, as always, Vitality Radio is is this awesome thing I get to do every week where I get to share my passion with you, hopefully inform you about something you didn't know or needed to know a little bit more about. As always, remember, I am not your doctor and I do not replace his or her medical advice. Today is going to be a very medical-related show. I think it's a really important topic because it 100%, 100% applies to you and your family no matter who you are. You'll understand what I mean here in just a minute. Today's show is going to be a little different than most of my shows, where it's going to be heavily on the ranty side, but the rant itself is also probably the show. I don't know that I'm going to have any time after the rant. I have something kind of prepared just in case. But I might just go about 45, 50 minutes of rant today, and that's okay. I need to get it off my chest anyway. It's important. As I said, it got personal yesterday, and, uh, you know, we got to take care of business now. So Vitality Radio is uh, accessible. uh, If you want to talk to me and uh, get some information directly to me, you can hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash vitalityradio. I had a great uh, comment uh, from a pharmacist uh, last week talking about uh, what uh, he thought about my magnesium uh, episode and uh, it was great to hear from somebody on the you know medicine side of things that can see value in the alternative side. I think that the two are coming closer together all the time. If you have something you want to say to me, that's a great way to hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/vitalityradio. Okay, so that is the intro, and without going any further into anything else, I think it's time to talk about why things got personal or how they got personal this week, it is time for the Morning Rant.
2: In a world
0: full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda.
1: When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All righty, we're going to rant today, and I'm excited about it. You know, much of the time when I rant, it's based on something that happened at my shop, Vitality Nutrition. A customer will come in, tell me a story about something that happened with their doctor, or a member of their family, or an illness that they're experiencing, or whatever, and it spurs something in my head, saying, "Man, I got to get the word out about this." Uh, other times, it's an article I read in uh, on online. Sometimes, uh, quite honestly. I don't have a rant idea at all. In fact, I'd say maybe half of the time when I prepare the show, I don't have a rant idea in my head from something that happened that week. I just dig around online until I find something that I think people need to hear about. But this time, as I said, got a little personal because I got a text message from my sweet daughter. She's my oldest, 22 years old, my Lily, and she sent me a message and she said, Dad, I'm uh, not doing too well. I got a double ear infection. And uh, I I went to the doc and he gave me a prescription for an antibiotic and a steroid. And I want to know, you know, what what do you think I should do? Well, I have, uh, I just hit 47 last week, 47 years old, my heavens. And uh, in 47 years, I've been on one antibiotic. So you can imagine that I'm probably not going to recommend antibiotics very often to my children. However, one of the things that is awesome about being uh, kind of a weird, out-of-the-box uh, kind of a father, I guess, is that you sometimes raise kind of weird, out-of-the-box uh, children. And my hope is that I have taught and am teaching still my children to be free thinkers and not be locked into societal norms or whatever, every, you know, groupthink, basically. I'm really, really not a fan of groupthink. It's it's very disturbing to me, in fact, in most cases, uh, and yet it becomes the norm, and so everybody just accepts it, and a lot of this rant is going to be about groupthink. But uh, anyway, you raise kids who have these alternative ideas and opinions, and if you're fortunate enough uh you have kids that won't just take your word for it they'll actually question you a great example of that is my oldest son bridger who works with me at vitality he doesn't take what i say as as uh the god's honest truth he wants to know why i say that and how i feel about it and The coolest thing about working with Bridger is that, especially in the realms of sports nutrition, where he spent a a good amount of time studying and researching that stuff, he's taught me a few things that I thought were wrong, myths that I believed, because it's what I had heard or read or seen over the years, uh, that he actually was able to prove to me were incorrect uh, through his study and research. And I love that about him because he just doesn't take anything as truth until he's able to figure out for himself if he really believes it's true. Well, to a large extent, I think that's uh, kind of how Lily is too. She didn't want to necessarily just believe what I taught her about things in medicine and health that weren't the norm. She wanted to have some backing, some information on you know why I thought that way. And she has made up her own mind now based on that. And in some sometimes she believes me and sometimes she doesn't sometimes she follows my advice and sometimes she doesn't and i'm totally okay with that because that's how it's supposed to be do what you're going to do for yourself not because somebody else has got you thinking that you know that's the thing you should do all right so back to the story that was sort of your back story there Back to the story. She texts me. She says, I've got this double ear infection. Doctor recommended antibiotic and steroids. steroids for the pain. Antibiotics to kill the infection. For years at Vitality Nutrition, I have recommended to people uh, that they should try garlic oil in their ears for ear infections. Uh, garlic oil is awesome. It's tried and true. It's been around for longer than any of us. And it works really, really well. And if you're uh, in the market for some garlic oil, you should look for one that's got some mullein in it uh, or some white willow bark or maybe both because that'll also help with pain. So you get sort of the best of both worlds. I've been using garlic oil like this for you know, hundreds of years uh, people have been. And it doesn't always do the job. Sometimes ear infections, I think, can get to the point of requiring antibiotics. Most of the time, I don't think that they do. That's something you can figure out with your doctor, figure out for yourself through trial and error and kind of figuring this stuff out. But, you know, she was really freaking out about missing work. Uh, she's taken a new job in a new city and she didn't, she wants to, you know, do the right thing and, and try and be at work as much as she can. So she's decided to follow the physician's advice and do the antibiotic, which is fine. So then I said, okay, well, make sure you get the colloidal silver and you get the garlic and mullein oil and you use those as well because you'll get better results if you tag team it with the natural stuff and the synthetic stuff and you'll be feeling better probably in a few days. And so that was my recommendation. And then I said this. But you need to know that this uh, myth about taking antibiotics through the entire course has been proven to be just that, a myth. And so once you're feeling better, no fever, and you're doing well after, for 24 to 48 hours, you don't need to finish that 10-day run of amoxicillin that was recommended. <gasps> Wait a minute. That sounds like horrible medical advice, right? Right. Have you ever heard anybody in their right mind say to you, you shouldn't finish your course of antibiotics? Well, maybe if you've heard Vitality Radio, you may have heard me talk about this before. But I've only mentioned it once because the truth of the matter is, it's relatively new to me too. But there's a lot of information that's really valid and really powerful and as I said at the very beginning of the show, that you need to hear because this has to do with you. Because you or someone you love is being a prescribed an antibiotic on a some sort of a regular basis once you, you know, add all the people around you. Uh, it's very, very common. And we need to know when to use them, when not to use them. And now we need to pay attention to how long we should use them. So, what happened was, and how it got personal, and it's <laughs> it's always been this way for me. I'm a I'm a Papa Bear, right? I protect my children when I get the opportunity to do so. And she told her friend that uh, she wasn't going to follow the full course of antibiotics; she'd get off of them after a few days. And he said she was nuts. And I don't know what their conversation was, but it turned into some conflict apparently, and uh, I don't want to get too far into the personal stuff because I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, she, I think she was made to feel kind of small about this, like she was stupid for believing anything but just the tried and true, finish your course of antibiotics. So it was up to me to uh, prove this friend wrong, and uh, I already knew what I believed to be true, but I sent a bunch of information up to her, and then I decided what a great time to rant because this is really good information for everybody listening to Vitality Radio. And I've already done the work by looking up the articles. So here goes. Let's get into this a little bit here. So does it sound like horrible medical advice? Have you ever had a doctor tell you, oh, yeah, just get off the antibiotic within 24, 48 hours after you're feeling well? Or have they always said, finish the course, finish the course, stay the course, true to the faith, what is it? Endure to the end, right? Finish your course of antibiotics. That's what we're doing. That's what we're always doing. That's what we're always been taught. That's what we're supposed to do. So just do it. I mean, I might as well have told her, don't buy butter, buy margarine. But who would give such ridiculous advice? We all know that butter is healthier than margarine. Duh. Oh, wait. There was a time. There was a time. When I was growing up, back in the olden days, when they told me, and probably you as well, that food scientists had beaten God at his own game, butter clogged your arteries and margarine didn't because it didn't have that evil saturated fat. But now we know that trans fats and fake fats like margarine are horrible for us. And lo and behold, butter really isn't. What's the best way to get people to believe that something is true It's simple. Tell them over and over again. Better yet, get someone with some authority to tell them. Think about it. You only use 10% of your brain. Eating carrots improves your eyesight. Milk does a body good and prevents osteoporosis. All not true. But I bet at one point, even if not today, you once believed those things to be true. They're not true. They've never been true, but we were told those things over and over and over and over again, and most people still believe that drinking milk helps prevent osteoporosis. A lot of people still believe that eating carrots can improve your eyesight, and many people, I would say more than not, still believe you only use 10% of your brain. None of those things are true, and it's absolutely not true that margarine is in Anyway, healthier than butter. I read a fascinating article in Wired magazine about this very thing. It says the facts don't actually matter. People repeat these lies so often that you believe them. Welcome to what is called illusory truth effect, a glitch in the human psyche that equates repetition with truth. Marketers and politicians are masters of manipulating this particular cognitive bias, which perhaps you have become more familiar with lately. Heck, Adolf Hitler knew about the technique. In his book, Mein Kampf, he wrote, slogans should be persistently repeated until the very last individual has come to grasp the idea. And who was better at propaganda than Adolf Hitler? The effect works because when people attempt to assess truth, they rely on two things whether the information jibes with their understanding and whether it feels familiar the first condition is logical you know does it actually make sense people compare new information with what they already know to be true and consider the credibility of both sources but researchers have found that familiarity can trump rationality so much so that hearing over and over again that a certain fact is wrong can have a paradoxical effect It's so familiar that it starts to feel right. When you see the fact for the second time, it's much easier to process. You read it more quickly. You understand it more fluently, says Vanderbilt University psychologist Liz Fazio. Our brain interprets that fluency as a signal for something being true, whether it's true or not. In other words, rationality can be hard. It takes work. Your brain, busy, is often more comfortable running on feeling. Okay, so maybe that's what's going on with this antibiotic thing. Because do you still believe that antibiotics should be used the entire course? 7 days, 10 days, 14 days, whatever. You probably do, I would guess. Why do we believe that, though? Why do we believe we must finish the course of antibiotics? who told us this? Well, it's everywhere. I started researching this, right? Because I had to send some ammo to my daughter so she could stand her ground on this belief. Because this was new to her too when I shared it with her. So I sent her the ammo. I sent her uh, articles from WebMD, from the British Journal of Medicine, from Consumer Reports, from all kinds of different places, none of which are alternative natural resources. These are medical and Mainstream media resources. And I sent all that up there, but man, it took a while to find it because articles that were written just this year were still saying, finish your antibiotics, finish your antibiotics, finish your antibiotics. And why were they saying that? Who knows? Because they're not basing it on science. And I'm going to tell you how I know that right now. So I've heard, just from my recollection, doctors tell us that we have to take our antibiotic all the way through. I've read about it online, as I said. I've seen it in magazines. I've seen it on TV shows. I've seen it on local and national news. Hell, I even believed it was true for a while myself, but it never totally seemed right to me. So I looked into it about a year ago. There are multiple sources that I will pull from for this but I want you to understand that all of them are mainstream medical authorities. One is from the Centers for Disease Control. Another is a medical researcher who got her article published in the British Journal of Medicine. None of this is coming from me or from a natural or alternative source. First, it's important to understand that the idea that you must complete your course of antibiotics started in the 1940s. The 1940s, what did we believe in the 1940s? Well, for one thing, doctors were selling us cigarettes into the 1960s and I think 70s, if I've got that right. So what we knew about health in the 1940s, especially at the dawning of antibiotics, because remember the first commercial antibiotic, I believe, was 1931. So in the 1940s, we didn't know much. But that's where this started. And it was based on exactly nothing. Nothing. No science, no evidence, nothing except the belief that for some reason, if we didn't finish our whole course of antibiotics, we would create some superbugs. It was a belief. Maybe it was to the point of a theory, but it was based not on science at all. Like so many other things in life, it has become a fact because it's 100% based on repetition. And now it just sounds right. I mean, think back 10 minutes when I first said I told my daughter she should probably stop the antibiotic early. Did that sound right to you? Or did that sound like some lunatic telling his daughter to do the wrong thing for her health? What is it that they tell us about not taking them all the way through the prescription? What is it they tell us about antibiotics? They tell us that it can lead to superbugs, that it can lead to antibiotic resistant superbugs. But we know there's tons of evidence, overwhelming evidence. Everybody agrees, everybody on the medical side, on the natural side and everywhere in between, everyone agrees that the more antibiotics we use, the more likely we are to create superbugs and that we are creating superbugs specifically based on the fact that we are overusing antibiotics. We believe it. We know it to be true. It's scientifically validated. So then if using too many antibiotics is creating superbugs, how can using less antibiotics also create superbugs? It doesn't really make sense, does it? But yet, we believe it to be true. We've got to use that 10-day run of amoxicillin. Obviously, because we do. Not because there's any medical evidence to say that we do. Not that there's any support anywhere that proves that we should. We just should because that's what we've always been told. Okay. Now, I've got a lot more on this topic, but I knew this was going to take a while. I'm going to cut to a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to quote Lori Hicks. She's a doctor who is a medical epidemiologist at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the head of the agency's Get Smart, Know When Antibiotics Work Program. So she has been put in charge of this country's biggest organization to tell us how to use medicine the Centers for Disease Control, and I'm going to tell you what she says about stopping antibiotics early. When I come back, you're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist what's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is we don't just sell supplements. We consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Oh, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am your host. My name is Jared St. Clair and I am loving bringing this episode to you because I think it's really important information. If you've been prescribed an antibiotic in your life, if someone you love has been prescribed an antibiotic, and let's face it, who hasn't? And if you've been told you're supposed to run with that antibiotic all the way through its course, otherwise it will be detrimental to your health and to the health of others then this show is for you. Before the break, I said that uh, I told my daughter, don't finish your run of antibiotics. Yeah, sounds like horrible advice, right? But if you were with me before the break, you know that maybe not so much. Let's get into it. Lori Hicks, she is a uh, DO and the medical epidemiologist at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that's the CDC, man. They are the big cheese in this country in terms of telling us what we should and shouldn't do when it comes to medicine and our health. They're the ones that push um, all the vaccine stuff. They're the ones that push all the, the flu shot thing and you know when we should go see our doctor, when we shouldn't go see our doctor, what, what's uh, important when it comes to antibiotic use and so many other things. That's the Centers for Disease Control. And this woman, Lori Hicks, she's in charge of their program called Get Smart know when antibiotics work Uh, that's the program she's in charge of and this is what she says if we don't complete the course of therapy there is concern that the bacteria that are left over may more likely may be more likely to develop resistance to the antibiotic that turns out to be much less of a problem than was originally believed according to hicks scientists have come to realize that the larger problem is that antibiotics affect not only bacteria causing infection, but also the trillions of other bacteria that live in and on your body. (laughs) Right. Been talking about that for a minute. Uh, We have more bacteria in our body than human cells, she says. And the longer people take antibiotics, the more likely some of those bacteria are to become immune or resistant to the drugs. The longer we take antibiotics, she says, Overuse of these powerful drugs has led to the widespread development of superbugs, which cause infections that are extremely difficult to treat. We are now starting to encounter scary bacteria, such as uh, carbapenem-resistant enterobacteriaceae, or CRE, that are resistant to all known antibiotics, Hicks says. And that is scary, right? Plus, the longer you take antibiotics, the more likely you are to wipe out the good bacteria in your intestines, Hicks says. That leaves you vulnerable to infection from the bacterium C. diff, which can cause dangerous inflammation, abdominal cramping, and severe diarrhea, and can even be deadly in some cases. Whenever your doctor recommends an antibiotic, it's a good idea to ask what it's for And whether there are other ways you might treat symptoms, Hicks says. Now, I love that bit of advice because it's not just saying do what your doctor tells you. Rather, it's saying take part in your health care, which is what we should do. But it raises a bigger question. Why should we have to ask our doctor in the first place if they're recommending an antibiotic correctly? I mean, isn't that the doctor's job? They're the one with the prescription pad, right? Well, interestingly enough, 33%, it's estimated, of all antibiotic prescriptions are written inappropriately, meaning they're actually written for things antibiotics cannot treat. For instance, 85% of sinus infections are viral, not bacterial. Well, if 85% of sinus infections are viral, then 85% of sinus infections shouldn't be treated with antibiotics. And yet, it appears that about 80% of sinus infections are treated with antibiotics. That's just one of many examples. So yes, we do need to ask our doctor if he or she is prescribing correctly the antibiotic. We should ask our doctor if there are alternatives, because absolutely we should we shouldn't just blanket say, oh, doctor knows best. What's being proven time and time again is that your doctor doesn't always know what is best. And it's really important for you as the patient to take an active part in your health care. And that is not something I came up with. That's something the CDC also says. In fact, she just said it here. So, As I wrap this up at the end of the rant, I'm gonna talk about many infections that people rely on antibiotics for that probably don't require antibiotics and that you should at least consider an alternative for before you decide to go on an antibiotic that will effectively wipe out your immune system to some degree, okay? But I'll get to that in a minute because I gotta finish this. Why did this whole topic come up? Well, my daughter was made to feel stupid or small or something for even considering not taking the entire run of antibiotics. Why? Well, I have to assume her friend was just thinking that he was saying the right things because he'd always been taught those things. And that's just how it is. But that's also why we have a higher level of racism in some parts of the country than other parts of the country. Because people have just been taught that way. And so that's just how it is. But it's not how it is. It's not how it is. And in this case, that's this is not how it is. So it's important to understand, propaganda is real. It's powerful. At one point, Hitler convinced most of Germany that what he was doing was right for the world and for German nationalism. Most of the people... We're kind of okay with what he was doing. That seems weird, right? Are Germans stupid? No, no no more than we are. No more than we are. Human beings are a little gullible. Let's face it. If we weren't, we wouldn't have our current president, the previous president, (laughs) the president before him, the president before him, the president before him, and that goes back quite a ways. We elect people who are liars because their lies sound so good. It's time to start recognizing that we are being lied to and misled on a regular basis in this country, in politics and in the politics of health. And it's also important to understand this, that now we know that there's no good reason we should finish our run of antibiotics for the most part. And I need to throw this little caveat in there. There are certain types of infections that require a longer run of antibiotics. And your doctor is the authority on this matter. So you need to discuss with him or her what you should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to your antibiotics. I'm certainly not the guy to tell you that. What I'm here for is to tell you that we have to be cautious that just doing what we've always been told to do is the right thing because we've always been told to do it. Because that's not how life works. If we always do what we've always done, just because we've always been told to do it, life kind of sucks that way, right? Think outside the box. Figure things out for yourself. Understand that there is probably a better way. Because that's when we take charge of our health and when we get the opportunity to actually really grab the bull by the horns, so to speak, and take charge of our health and take it to a higher plane, when we start to question authority, when it comes to health care, sometimes we find answers that are really, really useful. All right. So I believe my daughter will probably go off of her antibiotic a little early. And uh, that's up to her. She doesn't have to take my advice. She didn't take my advice when she went on the antibiotic. Why would she automatically take it uh, going off of it early? But now she has ammunition and education that she can point to and say, well, maybe it actually does make sense to not be on this antibiotic long term, even if my friends think I'm crazy. So that's the rant for today. I think the most important thing is this. I hope I raised in your awareness on a subject that you probably believed to be true your whole life, that you're just supposed to take antibiotics through the entire course. Your doctor will probably continue to tell you that for a while. At some point, doctors will be telling us that's not how we do it anymore. We figured out that that was wrong and that we should be taking our antibiotics for shorter periods of time because that's what's going to happen. Because the more antibiotic superbugs we, or resistant superbugs that we create, the more doctors are going to get hammered by the CDC, the World Health Organization, and all these others to say, whoa, 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 we got to back it off, man. And one of the places we're going to back it off is this. But remember, the powers that be move very, very slowly. These wheels turn at a snail's pace. And so by the time your doctor catches up to this, you can have already, you should have already figured it out for yourself. Kind of like the butter and margarine thing. All right, that's the rant for today. I'm going to continue the topic of antibiotics though and alternatives to antibiotics when I come back. You're listening to Jared St. Clair and this is Vitality Radio.
2: During this COVID-19 challenge, Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful now offers curbside pickup. Just call 801-292- 6662. We will take your order by phone and have it ready when you get to our parking lot. We can also ship product to most of Utah next day. Give us a call at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Thank you.
1: Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you once again this week on another episode of Vitality Radio. We're almost to 11 years doing this show. It's hard to believe. And uh, boy, I always try every show and hopefully it doesn't get old, but to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring about what I'm talking about. Thank you for coming in and talking to me and saying, hey, keep up the good work. We love your show. Thank you for looking at alternatives uh, for your health. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Let's build this audience and get more people listening and learning. Okay, so I got to get back to the topic at hand. The rant is over officially, but we're going to roll into something related to the rant, and that is antibiotic use. And uh, when antibiotics, uh, when there are alternatives for antibiotics. So I often bring up the point that I've been on one antibiotic in 47 years of life. It is not to brag. Uh, It's not because I'm trying to pat myself on the back because I'm the picture of health. I wish I was the picture of health, but uh, I'm working on that. I'm trying to get healthier just like you are. But the reason I bring up this whole antibiotic thing for me is that it proves a point, I think, that everybody needs to know. And that is that life and a healthy life is possible without antibiotics for the most part. Now, I believe that antibiotics are life-saving drugs. I also have a very firm belief that more often than not, that's what they, they should be reserved for, saving people's lives. If that's how we used antibiotics, we wouldn't have antibiotic superbugs, antibiotic-resistant superbugs, but we use them for all kinds of things. I mentioned earlier, 67% of antibiotic prescriptions in this country are prescribed, according to the Centers for Disease Control, appropriately, meaning they're prescribed for things that antibiotics can actually kill, things like strep throat urinary tract infections, ear infections, and so on. But 33% of the prescriptions written are prescribed inappropriately for things that antibiotics cannot kill. And that's a really horrible thing because it kind of compounds on itself when you think about it. If you have a sinus infection that is viral and you're prescribed an antibiotic, You will probably clear the sinus infection in seven to 10 days, which just happens to coincide with how long you'll be on the antibiotic. And at the end of that, you will believe, probably, that the antibiotic cured your sinus infection. It didn't. In 85% of cases, it did not clear your sinus infection. But two things have now happened. You got rid of the virus because your own body's immune system did its job. And you then weakened your own body's immune system by wiping out a whole bunch of the good bacteria that used to reside in your sinuses and in your gut. And that is a really big problem because now the next time the sinus infection comes along, your immune system isn't as strong as it would have been due to the antibiotic that you never needed in the first place. And now it's harder to get rid of the sinus infection. And now the infection becomes another infection, and another infection. And what have you done for these infections? You've taken another antibiotic, and another antibiotic, because the first time you took the antibiotic, it worked, or so you thought. So, of course, you're going to use an antibiotic the second time, because sinus infections stink. So, what worked the first time? Antibiotic. Let's do a second one. Antibiotic. Oh, darn it, I got a third one. Antibiotic. Oh, my heavens, I got a fourth one. Antibiotic. Oh, my gosh, I didn't get better this time. Antibiotic. Different antibiotic. Why can't I get rid of this sinus infection? Oh, well, maybe it was never supposed to be treated with an antibiotic. Maybe you're one of the 85%, not the 15%. And oops, doctor didn't know best in this case. And now you have what's called chronic sinus infections or chronic sinusitis. And that is a lot worse than the occasional sinus infection because now it's almost all the time. And what are you supposed to do about that? Because antibiotics don't fix that. Heck, antibiotics caused that in this case. I see this all the time. It's really common. And it's not just sinus infections it's urinary tract infections. It's ear infections. Now, what's different between sinus infections and urinary tract infections besides the part of the body? Well, interestingly enough, most, the vast majority of urinary tract infections can be treated successfully with an antibiotic. It will kill the urinary tract infection. Whereas 85% of sinus infections cannot be treated with an antibiotic, or at least not effectively. And that's the difference because sinus infections, now you've created a chronic problem with an antibiotic that was never supposed to be the solution in the first place. With urinary tract infections, the solution makes sense. In other words, the antibiotic is prescribed quote unquote appropriately, but the exact same thing can happen. And I see it with urinary tract infections probably more than any other type of infection where people will come in and they'll tell me, you know what, this is my third urinary tract infection, my fourth, my fifth, my seventh, my tenth urinary tract infection in the last year, year and a half, two years, whatever. And I ask them, well, what have you been doing for them? Well, I was taking antibiotics for them, but now the antibiotics don't seem to work. Well, why? Won't the antibiotics still kill the urinary tract infection? Well, theoretically, yeah, it should, unless maybe something's mutated in there, a bacteria that is now harder to kill for the antibiotic. But we have to remember this, and this is really, really important. Even though we're on an antibiotic, our body is constantly trying to fight infection on its own anyway. So in other words, the antibiotic doesn't go in there and tell the immune system, hey, you got the day off, man. You're good. Don't even worry about it we got this the antibiotic goes in there and it has the aid of the immune system to try and fight off the infection at the same time that's pretty awesome if it's done occasionally really only as needed but the long the more often the antibiotic comes in there and wipes out so many of the troops that make up your body's immune system the less effective the antibiotic will be time after time after time, because your immune system can't help anymore. It's depleted. It's wiped out. And it can't not just fight the infection. It no longer has the ability to stave off a new infection when that infection tries to take root. And now we have chronic infection. And we have it in sinuses. And we have it in ears. And we have it in strep. And we have it in the lungs with bronchitis and pneumonia. And we have it in the urinary tract and various other locations in the body. So, is there a time when it makes sense to treat an infection that is treatable by an antibiotic with something other than an antibiotic? I would say, and again, I'm not your doctor or the authority on this subject when it comes to medical authority. I'm just the guy on the radio. But I would say that whenever possible, we should not use antibiotics. If you are dying, that's a great time to use an antibiotic. If your ear hurts, we ought to try something else first. Does that make sense? Am I being crazy? Now, I get this, okay? This is what I know. You go into your doctor, and I'm, this is just general, of course. I don't know how your doctor is going to behave. But you go into your doctor, and he looks in your ear, And you see, oh, yeah, it's red and inflamed in there. It looks like you've got an infection. And there's a little bit of scar tissue in there. Maybe you you had infections when you were younger, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, when I was a baby, maybe I had some infections. Yeah, it looks like you had a little bit of um, infection in there. And now there's a little bit of scar tissue from the infection before. You better get on an antibiotic because you don't want to form more scar tissue. Now, I'm a logical thinker, and I don't rule out modern medicine when it makes sense, because that would be illogical. There's a lot of good reasons to use an antibiotic. But if I have an ear infection, and this is just speaking for me, if I have an ear infection, I know that there are certain things in nature that are really naturally antibiotic. Garlic is, oregano oil is, colloidal silver is, olive leaf is, vitamin C is not antibiotic, but it's very good for your immune system, probiotics. There's all kinds of things you can potentially use. I know for a fact that garlic oil and mullein, like I talked about at the very beginning of the show, are great to drop in the air because garlic is powerfully antibacterial. And so, I mean, we did a, we did a study on this <laughs> My, my son, Bridger, when he was in fourth or fifth grade, he did a science project. We tried to figure out how bread would mold uh, when, used, when when we used natural antibiotics versus synthetic antibiotics to prevent the spread of mold on the bread. And the natural antibiotics worked better than the uh, foot spray. You know, we were going for mold, you get it, as opposed to um, bacteria. But the point is, We know that these natural things have antibacterial benefit, garlic in particular. So I don't see a reason why it makes any sense not to try the natural approach first. Try garlic oil in your ears for a few days. And if you feel better, keep it up and then you are better. And you know what's really cool about that? What's really, really cool about that? You just avoided, almost for sure, that next ear infection from a weakened immune system because when you dropped garlic oil in your ear, you didn't kill anything good, you didn't kill any bacteria in your gut, you did no damage to your body. First do no harm. That's how the Hippocratic Oath starts. First do no harm. But there's no patents on garlic oil and so drug companies don't like garlic oil nearly as much as they like antibiotics. i am guessing. I could be wrong. I shouldn't speak for the drug companies. How about D-manos? D-manos is awesome for urinary tract infections. Now, I've, I've beaten this horse a little bit, okay? And I apologize if you've heard me talk about D-manos and sinus infections and things, UTIs in the past. I just have to talk about it. Whenever I talk about antibiotics, there's a bunch of you out there listening right now that have not heard this and it's important. D-manos has been shown to kill 100% of urinary tract infections that are E. coli. And guess what? About 90% of urinary tract infections are E. coli based, which means 90% of urinary tract infections in this country can be killed in 48 to 72 hours with D. mannose. What is D. mannose? It's a sugar. It's a sugar. It tastes like sugar. It tastes quite delicious in fact. You got to take a bunch of it. You got to take a teaspoon four times a day for about 3 days. In clinical trials, when they did that, they had a 100% success rate. And you know what's cool about D-mannose? It's a sugar that doesn't impact your blood sugar, so you can take it if you're diabetic. And it's a sugar that doesn't kill any good bacteria. It just makes the urinary tract slick again so that bacteria flushes out. It doesn't kill anything. So it doesn't create antibiotic resistance. It doesn't take away good bacteria that would fight off the next urinary tract infection. And it works as fast or faster than antibiotics in most cases. So why not try that? Because listen, three days in, if D-mannose isn't working, you can still go on an antibiotic. If garlic oil is not working, you can still go on an antibiotic. If colloidal silver sprayed up into the nostrils isn't working for your sinus infection, You can still go on an antibiotic. That's always still there. It's available. But why start there? That's the question I have. Maybe you have an answer. And if you do, I'd like to hear from you. Hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash vitality radio. If you got to start there, why? Well, I think I understand some reasons. Maybe you can't afford to miss work and you're thinking, well, the antibiotic's more of a sure thing. Don't necessarily believe that all the time. Because it's not, we know, antibiotics fail on a regular basis. People don't get better. A lot of times they do, sometimes they don't. Just because it's an antibiotic and it's medicine, it's a prescription, doesn't mean it's gonna be more effective than a natural alternative. What we do know about it is, it's a prescription for a reason. Why are drugs prescribed in this country? The FDA, In all of their brilliance and oversight of how we do things in this country has determined that there are certain drugs that are over-the-counter drugs, OTCs. Why why is that? Because they believe that the average Joe is smart enough to figure out how to use that drug without killing himself. Now, they're wrong because people die from side effects of over-the-counter medicines on a regular basis. We know at least 20,000 a year just from painkillers. Over-the-counter painkillers. Yeah, they're sold like candy out there. But regardless, over-the-counter medicines, you're smart enough to not be stupid about how to use this. Prescription medicines, you're not smart enough to not be stupid about how to use this, so your doctor is in charge. I mean, that's simplistic, right? But it's kind of true. Your doctor went to medical school. He or she knows how you should use this, when you should use it, and for how long. And so, therefore, it is prescribed. Why is it prescribed, though? Because you are too dumb on your own to use it wisely. I think that's what prescription means. That's how I see it. Again, kind of simplistic, but I think that's pretty much what the government's telling us is. This drug is too dangerous for you the average consumer, to use correctly without your doctor's recommendation. Okay, And so if it's dangerous by nature, it needs to be prescribed and you need to follow your doctor's orders. That makes sense. That is what antibiotics are. They're too dangerous for you to use without help from your doctor. At least that's what our government is telling us. If they're that dangerous, then maybe they shouldn't be the first line of defense. Because I believe exactly like the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization believes about antibiotics, and that is that they have the potential to save lives. Absolutely. They are amazing at helping us save lives in some cases. But I am also convinced that they are taking away life and health on a regular basis in this country far more than they're saving lives. And it's because they're being used way too often, even if they're being used for things that are treatable by antibiotics, there are better ways to do it naturally that will not hurt you. You need to figure this stuff out for yourself, though. I'm the guy on the radio. I figured it out for me. I'm doing okay. 47 years old, one antibiotic. You can do that too. People are always like, huh? How, what? what? Yeah, one antibiotic in 47 years? Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a wow. And that's sad that it's a wow. But it is what it is. And I've talked way too long. So I got to cut to, uh, or I got to end the show. I don't have any more time to cut to a break. If you have more questions about this stuff, you know what to do. Call us, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. It's Vitality, Nutrition, and Bountiful. And it does not matter where you are. We will help you over the phone and through the mail if we need to. Happy to do that. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody And uh, if you didn't like what you heard, let me know about it. I'd like to hear from both sides, believe it or not. Give me a call, 801-292-6662, or hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Vitality Radio. Thank you so much for listening to me, Jared St. Clair. This has been another episode of Vitality Radio.
0: You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Wyndham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young.
2: Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.